All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Chamber Chats. This is Meredith Matthews. I'm so excited today. I hope that you guys either have a snack with you or that you've eaten breakfast because you're going to get hungry at this one. I am so excited to be talking to Christine Casera from Casera's Catering and um, Sam, who works with her. So I'm so excited. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing good. Thank Doing you. Doing good. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So... You have this catering business. You've been around for, seems like, really long time. And I know that every time I see an event posted and it says, you know, catered by Caceres Catering, I always get, like, super excited because I knew the food's, the food's going to be amazing. So tell me, have you always wanted to be a caterer? Or how did you start? Not necessarily. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, like, after high school. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just by chance that I came across a culinary program and about uh, when, when I was about 19, 20, and that made total sense for me. So I was super interested in doing that. And that's kind of what launched it. Did you go? So you went to culinary school or a program or? It was a program I went to in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I, I'm not from there, but I was living there at the time. And so uh, then. That's how that's I entered started into the industry. So I went to culinary school, and um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really love my experience. I think mm -hmm. that once I got there, um, you know, technically it was really interesting to get to learn how to do everything. But um, I just didn't feel like I had the temperament to like be in a kitchen. But like catering is a whole sort of different thing than working like on the line in a kitchen. True. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And. Um, so it was it was the uh, the program I was at the um, it, it was the first year that they launched and so th there was some issues with um, uh, with the um, certifications and yeah. all that and so um, various things that were happening with the school and then in my life so I didn't finish the program mm -hmm. but I did enter into like the food service industry yeah. So, and that's what I think. I think that's a lot of feedback I get from people that went into culinary school, like mm -hmm. really just like go work in a kitchen. It's better experience anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The student loans that I still have from culinary school. I know. <laughs> I know. It's true. So what brought you to Humboldt? Well, so we were living in Georgia and we weren't 100 percent. We wanted to stay there. And we um, had our two boys at that time. Uh, Dylan and Blue, they were five and eight, and we knew we wanted to move. And uh, my husband's, uh, at the time, his one of his college friends lived out here. And so for a couple years, he kept encouraging us to come out here. And so we just kind of made the decision to do so. And kind of sight unseen. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, um, and you know, that was in 2001. Okay. So, you know, the internet was around, but not nearly like what it is today. Sure. And so like Google, you know, trying to um look up jobs and um contacts and things like that. Uh there there were places that were present online, but again, not nearly like it is today. So um I I did reach out. I, <laughs> I sent a snail mail letter <laughs> to uh Ramones oh, okay. and a couple of other places that were around at the time. But it was so much more quiet back then, too. Yeah. Um, but within three days of living here, uh, I, I started working at Ramones. Ramones. Yeah. What was the um, What was the food scene like here twenty years ago? Ooh, um, twice as expensive. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, from Georgia to here, oh, like yeah. it, it, everything was almost double, even gas. I mean, everything was just the cost of living was high. But as far as like selection super quiet. I mean, I would say maybe 60% less than what we have going on now. Yeah. So, yeah. So you started at Ramones mm -hmm. and um what was your what was your job at Ramones? What did you do there? I started out as a baker's prep, so I would mix like all the cookie doughs and the cake batters and um and then in addition to that, I worked with the sourdough breads. So nice. my day started early. It was like 5 in the morning. 
I always enjoyed that. That was one of my favorite parts of culinary school. I remember was bake shop and like making all that. I just remember um, at my school, like every day in bake shop, we made these ham and cheese croissants. I must have gained like 30 pounds in culinary school that I still haven't like dropped. That was in, I feel like it was 1995 or six. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Sam? How did you, how did you get into the industry? Um, well, I grew up um, on the East Coast in New Jersey. Nice. And growing up there, there's a bunch of delis, pizzerias, you know, all those places. So when I was about 14, I started working in um, a local shop there and then have just been in the industry since then. Right on. I grew up in Philadelphia, so I Oh, okay. I'm an East Coast guy. What what um what kind of restaurants did you work in back there? Uh mostly delis and delis? pizzerias, yeah. Little corner stores, you know. They're uh kind of like a bodega, you know, yeah. a little bit of everything in there. So I got my hands in a little bit of everything. How do you feel about the pizza out in California? <laughs> it's different, you know, it's not bad, but it's definitely different than what I'm used to. Yeah. And so you mm. came to Humboldt around when? Uh, eight, years ago, eight years ago, I came here. I uh, lived in Santa Barbara for about five years and went to school down there. And my uh, wife got into a grad program here at HSU. Nice. So we moved up here and have stuck around since then. And then when did you start working together? When did Sam become part of your team? We connected um, in June of 2018. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. been a minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, coming up on six years. Yep. Yeah. So you're working at Ramon, so, and at what point did you think, all right, I'm going to launch my own business. I'm going to set out on my own. Mm-hmm. So when I moved here, I'd already been working with a caterer for about six years. And then the six years prior to working with a caterer in Georgia, mm-hmm. I was in the restaurant industry. So that's where I was honing my skills, like the front of the house and the back of the house. So when I got here, I had 12 years of food service experience. Mm -hmm. So after about a year of working as a baker's prep at Ramon's, we moved my position over to the lunch chef Mm -hmm. cook position. So I worked in the production facility at Ramon's and then all the food went out to their stores. And then the catering just kind of came in organically from then. So did you cater, did you do like Ramon's catering before you did? I did, yeah. yeah. So another five years. So I was with Ramon's for about six years. And then about four years in, my sister had moved here and we launched our catering together. And um, it was a little bit of a slow build. So I worked for Ramon's another couple of years. But, you know, this was back... (laughs) Back when I had an answering machine. Right. (laughs) And so I'd get home from work and I would miss inquiry calls. And so by the time I'd call them back, they had already booked. And so there became a time that became more clear that, you know, I can't do both. My boys were little. Yeah. Um, And so it was kind of a risk to take the leap of leaving the security of having the job at Ramones. But so, yeah, it was in 2007 when I finally left Ramones. Yeah, that sounds like a a big leap of faith. Yeah, it was a little risky and, you know, unknown. Yeah. Do you remember your first catering gig? I do. Um, Clayton and Elise. (laughs) (laughs) They lived up in uh, Sunny Bray, and it was Elise's graduation from, which is what is now, of course, Cal Poly. And um, we had a dinner party in her living room. There was about 12 people. What did you make? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Well, I know, I you know, I can't remember really, um, but I know we did roast, roasted potatoes because we did them there <laughs> <laughs> at her house. Yeah. Um, but And then our one of our other first jobs was out in um, Petrolia, um, which uh, that was interesting, <laughs> you know, because the distance from right. everything. Yeah. So we learned later that, I don't know if it's okay to say this, but <laughs> there's like a Scientology compound out there. Oh. And that's <laughs> who we were serving. And we were greeted with like security and... Wow. Yeah, that was interesting. So it was a drop-off. So it was like a five-hour like, or four-hour <laughs> round trip kind of thing. I bet you see a lot of things going to different people's... Mm-hmm locations for sure yeah so how did you so when you were getting started i mean i know that 
you know, like food cost is definitely a thing. And so when you're starting out on your own, it's really important to like super be cognizant of what you're serving and, you know, what's the yield going to be. So um, and also we're in Humboldt, which is home to like so much amazing like produce and food. So how did you like create your first menu or your first list of things that you have yeah a lot a lot of brainstorming like what just sounded good to us Mm -hmm. um and then a a lot of math yeah (laughs) to figure out like portion sizing and you know rounding up a little bit just to ensure that we don't run out and um but mostly it was just things we like to do yeah um and then, you know, the thing that also dictated the menu was, like, we weren't actively marketing to, like, weddings. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, like, that's what I did in Georgia was six years of, of weddings. And with my boys being little at the time, like, I didn't, I wanted to be home at night. Right. I wanted to be home on the weekends. And so we uh, hooked in with the businesses and um, did a lot of lunches and maybe some special events Mm-hmm. mixers um yeah. you know galas occasional things like that yeah that's like a little a great little niche that you found that's definitely filled a void i guess yeah i mean we've been uh fortunate to have a lot of repeat business mm-hmm. working with businesses um you know they might have workshops or uh, you know some type of symposium for three days or right. you know so so um what are, I mean, do you have now that you've been doing this for a while, do you have, like, certain signature dishes that people, like, really look forward to you that you make? Well, in thinking about m- menus, you know, we have to think about vegans, vegetarians, right. you know, all the dietary preferences. So what's been working really well lately, and we seem to be doing a lot, is, like, our chicken shawarma, mm. or we'll do a vegetarian version. It's got, it's, it can be vegan, um, it kind of accommodates all the dietary preferences mm-hmm. so and it's really tasty and um lots of flavor so the chicken shawarma dish that we do or lemon chicken um we'll do you know stuffed shells kind of a little bit with a an italian influence yeah um, i was at i'm sorry i was on a mixer that you catered a couple arcade mixers ago and i think the meatballs that you made i mean they were there and then, you know, I went up the stairs and there were no more meatballs. And everybody's like, oh, my God, did you eat the meatballs? I'm like, well, no, did not get a chance. Yeah. Oh, no. Are those, is that your recipe, Sam? Or? Yeah. I mean, we really both work together and um, we don't have set uh, recipes a lot. You know, we just go by taste. So we'll make little batches, taste them off, see if they're good and then, you know, adjust if we need to. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real, it's a collaborative effort now. Mm-hmm. It's like, is. Yep. Tell yeah. me about it. Well, Sam's definitely take on a larger role, like, um, and, and we, um, so like, with the meatballs, for instance, you know, um, or, or I don't, I'm not quite sure. Um, we just coordinate quite well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so we start our day out with a prep list, okay, according to what we have going on for today or, or the the week, and. We just kind of pick and choose what we want to work on during the day. And um, Sam definitely take on a, a bigger role. And every time Sam has, produces a menu item, we get amazing feedback on it. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, do you have a commercial kitchen somewhere? Like, yeah, so where is the... We where- do, yeah. So uh, one time I, I was over at Food Works. We yeah. were just talking about this. and um, But with the nature of catering, things coming on very in consistently yeah and it was sometimes hard to get the key or I was starting to see some potential things like I really needed a little bit more freedom coming yeah. and going so the environmental health office back in 07 recommended I call St. Mary's Church over here right around the corner oh wow and so um you know I signed the contract with them I had a key I can come when I come and go and so it's super convenient because you know, I could pull up right to the door for easy loading, and um, and we were working. It was it's a shared kitchen, right. so back in those early days, St. Mary's had their school, and then um, over time, the student body was getting less, so they ended up closing the school, and then 
There's been a few other tenants in there, but currently the charter uh, Fuente Nueve nice. is okay. there. And they're doing a wonderful job, too. But we coexist really nice That's really with them. Yeah, and it's such an amazing facility. I feel very fortunate to be there. That's really important mm -hmm. huh, to have a, a great facility. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, were you, like... Were you always like a home cook? Did you cook like for your family? Is that what kind of gave you the impetus to join like catering or? No, not really. I mean, my mom was a really good cook growing up, but I did a lot of the basics, you know, um, working in delis, pizzerias, like making sandwiches and I would grill and barbecue. But to actually cook and throw stuff together, I really didn't get that going um, probably until college when I moved out. And it's like, OK, I can't afford to eat out. I need right. to figure out my staples and basics, and then just slowly built from there. I learned a couple little techniques and, you know, just something you could build on over time, so. Yeah. What were your staples and basics? What were your, what are the things that you started cooking when you started cooking? Oh, probably just um, doing, like, fried rice, a lot of beans. Um, yeah. Uh, stir fries, yeah. learning how to do stir fries and um, cooking everything separately, you know, to get them all hot and ready at the same time. And, um Timing is a very big thing with catering as well to make yeah. sure everything comes out on time, nothing sitting too long or cooked early. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's mm -hmm. really important, like pacing of things and mm -hmm. like food. just think about cooking Thanksgiving dinner for your family like every day, right? Like timing when the turkey goes in, da, 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 because it's yeah, and oven space too. I'm sure. Yeah. Or just yep. making sure. So true. Totally. Um, yeah, so do, do you cook for your, so you're cooking all day, right, for your catering business. So when you get home, is it like the last thing you want to do to like cook a meal for yeah, yourself? It's really hard. Like dinner, what's for dinner is a very hard question. <laughs> it always had been. Um, and, well, and the four of us, we all well, didn't have the same uh, taste like, yeah. as far as like what we liked. So there was only a few options that we could actually um, come together on. So that made it really tricky. Like at your um, house? Yeah, yeah, it was really hard. Um, Were your boys picky eaters? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. One of my sons, not so much, but um, yeah, it was it was hard, all, all four of us, to kind of agree. And so it was like a short order cook at the house. Right. Like, that became difficult. But, you know, honestly... As the boys grew up, and they've been out of the house now 10 years plus, so um, I haven't had that issue in yeah. a long time. But it's still hard. Like, we're cooking all day. Like, it's it's hard to go home and want to make something. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so sometimes we'll make extra. Nice. Take it home or, you know, have a, a lunch there while we're working. Yeah, I have three boys, too. One of them, like, I think he might live on APD, like, I think that that's literally like he is ninety percent French fries, chicken strips, and, yeah. and pizza. And then my and then Sam is like a culinarian. Like he always like, I mean he does it in the middle of the night, which is not my favorite thing. But he'll like go in and like put all these different combinations together. And um, so I think that and and that's great, right? When you have a kid that will like try everything. Oh yeah. And then Jacob's getting a little bit more like wanting to try things, but yeah. And when you work all day, the last thing you want to do is come home and cook, like, four different meals to people. So at some yeah. point, like, my, kid, I, my kids now cook a couple days a week, which is oh, amazing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did your kids cook at all? When um, they, Not necessarily. Like, I mean, they would totally hang out with me in the kitchen, and um, or especially if we got baking going, or if we were doing, like, making yonkies piling out the dough yeah. and you know they'd sit there with me and Aww. and do that sort of thing that they'll remember that forever yeah yeah those well, are great memories and that's kind of i have those memories too like my growing up like my mom would make pizzas and we'd all get in there and make our own pizzas or you know getting yeah. getting your hands in there that's the thing about cooking you know because it's so attached to memories and mm -hmm. emotions and i think that it's just so important to have those memories with your kids. And I'm sure yeah. that the things that you've done with the, when you were growing up kind of inspire the kind of things that you're cooking now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
most definitely. I grew up in Chicago too, which of course is you know a huge food yes area. So I, I reflect on that a lot. Yeah. All right. So we have New Jersey and Chicago. What do you think about the pizza out here? <laughs> there's some there's some pretty good pizza, although you know, uh, not the same. Yeah. It's it, it really is. Okay, yeah, because we're from Philadelphia, and then my father moved to Chicago. So my father's lived in Chicago for a really long time, and that's the like if he had a bone to pick with Chicago, it's the deep dish pizza. He's like against it. So are you team deep dish or team thin crust? My favorite is the thin crust. Yeah, yeah, and I like how they cut them in squares. Yes, you know, so you don't have to commit to, a, you know, big huge pizza. But you know, in the end, it's probably equivalent when you have six squares. Right. Or, yeah. yeah, Chicago's got a really great food scene, too. I've got a couple yeah. things on my bucket list for the next time I go back there. I know. I know it. Yeah. I know it. How long did you... So you live, You grew up in Chicago? I did. I did. And then, well, when I was 14, uh, my mom remarried, and we moved to Texas. So I went my three-year... Uh, sophomore, junior, senior high oh, school wow. in uh, Dallas, just north of Dallas. Okay. And... Um, and then after high school, I, I left Dallas. Yeah. So I was only there three years. But all my family was still back in Chicago, so I've been going back there ever since. Nice. Yeah. And my sister lives in, in Dallas. She's, she stayed all these years, so she's built her life there. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what kind of things are on your catering menu now? Like if I was going to call you and, and book a catering gig, like what... Do you have, like, so you, your website, right? Do you have things listed on your website, or do you need to, like, call you to figure something out? Or? Probably the best would be, like, a, a call or an email, <laughs> and then I usually just, we pull menus off of the website. In mm -hmm. fact, the website needs work, but we pull our menus down um, mostly because, well, especially now and coming out of COVID, like, yeah. costs are all over the place, and even availability of some foods in, in higher quantities can be a challenge. So food is crazy right now. Yeah, expensive. I know, and we're all feeling it, you know, in our own lives. Yeah. So it's it's been tricky. Um, but I'll I'll usually have a conversation with a customer, see what type of event they're having, mm -hmm. um, what type of dietary uh, preferences they might have, and then I'll usually email a proposal. Yeah. A menu suggestion, or I have menus sitting on my desktop, so so I'll email those over so mm -hmm. they have something to look at. Okay. Um, but we just kind of go from there. And, I mean, most people are happy for us to send a suggestion. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll make changes from there. What's the smallest event that you've catered? Like, how small do you go? Well, years ago, <laughs> we we did a couple of dinner for twos, you know. But, you know, in the end, it's like by the time you add the hours and the kitchen rental and, and, and all that, you're kind of operating in the red at that yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. But super fun. Uh, it was for an older couple oh. anniversary, and uh, it was back up there by the community forest where their house oh, was. beautiful. Um, but we don't do too many of those dinner for twos. But, you know, ten, ten people is probably a good solid yeah. number. And what's the biggest catering? <gasps> well... The biggest one we did was we served the Kinetic final race dinner oh, wow. down in Ferndale. We did that a couple of years in a row, and that was almost 600. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and then we've done like 350s a couple times over the years, you know, um, groundbreaking ceremony. This, well, when the power plant uh, decommissioned mm -hmm. probably 10 or 12 years ago, maybe longer, they had a big... Um, event for that and so that was quite a quite a bit yeah um we've also partnered with other caterers like brett schuler mm. like for the chamber dinners yeah he would take on the dinner and i would do the desserts nice um yeah so it was a nice um shared opportunity yeah so what's that like you have a pretty good relationship with some of the other caterers around town i mean i think there's probably enough work for everybody yeah yeah i'm always amazed at that like and there are an unusually high number of caterers in the area, in the county. Um, but everyone, I feel, has a really nice working relationship with each other. It's like a friendly competition. It's not really even a competition. I mean, we're all busy. We all have a little something different to offer. Yeah. And um, 
we'll, you know, uh, ahead, we'll send jobs to each other. So if nice. we're booked, we'll, you know, reach out to other caterers and say, you know, this person is looking for whatever, this or that. And uh, so we've gotten jobs off other caterers and we've dished it out as well. Oh, I love that. It's so important to have that relationship out here. We're such a small yeah. county. It's just important to have those relationships. Yeah. So um, what was the pandemic like for you guys? Well, kind of saw it coming. You know, we were hearing yeah. news reports and alarming numbers of, you know, the COVID uh, people being affected by COVID. So March 13th, it was a Friday that week, people were dropping off the calendar. Yeah. And then, technically, March 13th, uh, 2020, was our last day in the kitchen for our regular jobs. But then we did have some things come on once a week through through to the summer. That's good. Um, but it was all related to, like, emergency services and people who were ramping up, like, our emergency offices. And so they were feeding their people. And so it was all boxes. And, yeah. Well, actually, actually, it wasn't, but, you know... We had to mitigate how we serve and, I bet, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. That went on through to the summer. And then by the time summer came along, everything that was on the calendar for the rest of the year fell off. Yeah. So it was a lot of emailing, like everything we had on the books, um, communicating with customers for about six months. And then it went quiet. Yeah. <laughs> went quiet for quite a while. And then we did a couple of, like, drive through weddings, like small ones. Yeah, because people were just not having big, big events. Yeah. But it it was. I remember one was like a drive-through. Scenario. Luckily, we uh, we do a lot of shopping to order, like once a week. So our overhead was pretty low at the time because oh, we just do it hourly over at our kitchen currently. So when jobs drop off, we really don't have a lot of overhead that we have to cover every month. Mm-hmm. So we weren't losing a lot, but we also weren't making anything during that time. So how much, how, do you have like a regular staff? Like, do you have to hire, when you do like a catering gig for 600 people, mm-hmm. it's obviously, I mean, maybe it is. Is it just the two of you? No. No. So every day, Sam and I, uh, m- most days every, each week, Sam and I will be in the kitchen knocking things out. But as when we have larger parties on the calendar, we start anticipating what kind of staff we need. Sam's brought a lot of people on board and um, so we have a, a pool of people that we'll call. Okay. That, um, But a lot of them have full-time jobs as it is so sometimes it, it's tricky but and then prior to COVID you know a, a lot of um, at the time HSU students they don't want to necessarily work permanently mm-hmm. or full-time so though connecting with them the students was was very helpful. They just want to work one or two times. Did that, I'm wondering, were you affected with that gig worker law that went into place? I know a lot of, like, people that hire, like, bands that play for musicals at theater and, like, were really affected by that. Is that something that do you... Um, not not so much. Okay. We didn't feel that so much. All right, good. Yeah, good. So... How do you, so you got a job for 600 people, so tell me what that conversation looks like. Does that affect the menu that you make? And Yeah, essentially what happens, like the ratio of people that might be vegans or gluten-free, right. like you have to really consider that. And so that a lot of times informs the menu. And so sometimes things like build your own sandwich bar, for yeah. instance, or a taco bar or something where they can you know, bypass the dairy or, or, you know, but still have a nice meal. So it really does inform what you're serving. And, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. So um, you now are branching out into, like, a ready-to-eat, ready-to-make stuff, yeah? Um, Like your dressings and, and whatnot? Oh, yes, yes. So... With the dressing, how that all came about was we were serving our dressing at our caterings, and it got a lot of great feedback, and people liked it a lot. And so there for a while prior to COVID, I was wanting to see about jarring it and selling it retail. But the the process is so rigorous between the California Department of Health down in Sacramento or the FDA, the batch controls, um, all these components— and it was really hard to 
a lot of time. We were so busy catering. It was, it was sort of a different um, uh, process. Right. And so when COVID hit, all of a sudden we found ourselves with more time. And so I was able to focus on that. But it still took a while. Like the, the, the fine print involved yeah. with, say, for instance, the FDA or... Um, you click on a link and here's 10 more pages to read. And so it was really mind-boggling, actually. Yeah. But we did get everything into compliance. Um, you know, even the labeling, like the nutrition label, you have to send your recipe off to the lab and it has to be analyzed. And you have to determine your pH for bacterial wow. growth. And so there was a lot to it. And um, But we... When COVID hit and we found ourselves a little bit more time, we were able to launch that. And um, all the local stores have been super welcoming. And um, so we're in about 30 stores in the county. That's awesome. What a great way to kind of pivot and find something to... I don't think a lot of people realize how much math and science goes into mm-hmm. cooking. Like the pH of something, <clears throat> when I even think about that, is that something that that you had to test yourself or... Yeah, so uh, there there is a process in, um, oh, oh gosh, my memory's going to escape me right now, but um, once the lab analyzes your uh-huh. recipe, you're pretty much in a safe range, but you you, you do um, test, and you're supposed to send off your yeah. batch controls for approval, and that costs each time. Yeah, and I imagine like cooking something, making something like that, right? That you is it's a completely different kind of cooking when you're because you know cooking. You know, sometimes there's a lot of like nuance that goes into it, a lot of tasting and adjusting and making things. But like with a, a bottled dressing, that's got to be like exactly the same every time, right? Right, right. And well, and the funny thing, Sam and I were just talking about this the other day. Uh, if you prepare the recipe one time. It fills up not quite three or four jars. So there's like a little bit left over. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to have that be equal so that we had a solid four jars or right. three jars. And in order to do that, we would have to change the recipe. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, to, so we had the correct volume. And so, um, so of course, we didn't want to change the recipe because then you kind of have to send the recipe off to the lab and figure out the pH all over again. And um, But it's okay because when we're jarring, say, six or ten cases, you're multiplying the recipe. And then we use our dressing in catering, so right. if we have a surplus, we'll just reserve it for our catering. It's nice. So that kind of solved that problem. And we wanted to build on the dressings, like have a line, but then throughout COVID and all the inflation and um, the cost of jars went up, you know, everything went up. And so, you know, it was starting to be, well, we're going to have to charge $10 a jar or $12 a jar to make make this make sense. And um, pushing out of the region, there's lots of challenges with that. Like shipping is, I mean, you're talking about jars, so shipping is, you know, online ordering isn't a viable option necessarily Mm -hmm. because... You know, the shipping is so expensive, and then even the freight, getting it, you know, out. And then it's it's been really hard to connect with people out of the region. Either you're slow to get calls back, mm-hmm. like trying to build sales, you know. Um, but I know people are doing it. I mean, we have a lot of great local makers that yeah. are definitely. And, and they've been super helpful, too, to us. Like, I've reached out to a few people yeah. when we've had challenges. What's your strategy? So I'm sure. So do you? So now that the pandemic's over and you're knock on what? I mean, maybe it's over. I don't know. But <laughs> now that we're starting to come back a little. Yes. Um, do you? And you're getting busier again. I mean, are you still able to like produce the the dressing as much as as you have in the past? Yeah. So we're at a place where um, a store might just call, "Hey, Chris, we need a case," and so we'll just put that uh, into our prep list for that day. Or if we have a free day or a slower week, which actually hasn't, we've been really busy. It's good. Yeah, very thankful for that. Um, But when we do have a slower week, we might knock out 10 cases and have them on reserve this way. Like, 
especially party planners and gift shops and things like that, they'll, when's the holidays upon us, they'll order six or ten cases, put them in gift baskets. Oh, nice. Things like that. So from start to finish, what what's the how long does that take to go from like raw ingredients to a finished you know bottle of dressing? Um, I mean, depending on how many cases we're doing, um, but you know it could take I don't know two to, two to four hours. Oh, okay. You know, because we'll, we'll do the pro- we'll make the product, and then we'll you know fill the jars, then we. Um, do the boil method, right. sealing the jars. Yeah. And then we have to make sure the jars are clean because sometimes the the oils from the recipe right. will seep out. Um, labeling, you know, all, all, all of that. So, yeah, two to four hours maybe. You must have some big-ass pots. To, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that I can at home, and it's I love it. I wish I had more time to do it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in my, like... The big to me pot, I think I can only fit like eight to ten jars inside. Yes. And it's a process, man. How um, how many jars can you fit in one of your pots? Well, I, you, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, luckily so far we're at a point where we don't have to level up huge. Uh-huh. But we can, we can fit, I think, 24 in like a big pot that we use for the boil method. Yeah. And then if, if, if we need to do, say, four cases, 48. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll get two of those pots for sure, um, or we'll or it'll extend the prep time. Like we'll have to do a couple of rotations. Yeah. Of it. Did you did you can at home or anything? Was that something that you ever did when you were growing Never. up canning? Really? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, I grew up. We had gardens and things like that, but like we just we just didn't can. But like a, a lot of the my Georgia family, most definitely did. But I just never learned the process. I, we, I had to learn. Yeah. yeah. My mother-in-law taught me. It was, And then, again, and during the pandemic, everybody's like, oh, well, let's make sourdough and let's, like, can stuff. And I remember, like, yeah. and then you couldn't find lids and you couldn't find jars. And it was, like, a huge thing. I mean, did you run into shortage problems? Yeah. Because it was impossible. Initially, to get, right. Yeah. A lot of people were doing that at the beginning of COVID. And so there were, and then the uh, the finding, yeah, exactly, the, the product levels were yeah. Going down in the stores. I just remember reading that in Facebook. Who has the Who has the jars? Who has the jar? Oh, um, Tensils is getting like a load of jars, and exactly. but it like yeah. oh, there is. Yeah, it's insane. There was one point I had jars. Could you believe this? Shipped to me, um, and then they proceeded to get <laughs> stolen off my porch. Oh my god! I know because I had them delivered to the house, but um, but yeah, I mean. There, there were some challenging times there. God, we went through it. <laughs> like everybody that I've talked to on this show that, you know, that has been a business for mm-hmm. some time. I think, I think we all like take a moment and we're like, God, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the people that survived it and the businesses that survived, I think that is really a testament to, you know, some tenaciousness and right. creativity, right? I mean, just pivoting to do something, anything that will keep you afloat. Yeah, yeah I, I was marveling at other businesses in town who, who were uh, doing just that, you know, and uh, just kind of learning, you know, how to how to do that ourselves, you know. Yeah. But, well, even just uh, restaurants building outdoor patios so they could be in compliance to stay open. I mean, that's right. such um, a great thing to do for them and all their employees so they could keep people working. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or shifting, you know, <clears throat> to-go options. And um, we, we, we did do that. Well, we have certain challenges at our location. Yeah. Like we'll reach a... a, a a capacity of sales Mm -hmm. simply because well i mean i feel like our volume is pretty high yeah but um we can't pass out keys to employees right so we have to kind of think about that like you know um because you know you sign a contract and you know we we can't have random people coming to us necessarily so like a drive-through option wasn't necessarily a thing we could do although Certain clubs like Soroptimist or even St. Mary's might have a fundraiser, and they'll do a drive-through, and that yeah. makes more sense. But 
you know, they've got the schools over there, and so, like, we can't really invite right, the community right. to come on campus, so, which is okay. I mean, you know, but there are certain yeah. things that we couldn't do that maybe others were able to do. Yeah. You guys are starting to do, like, or maybe you have been doing a lot of events right now. Like, you've, we talked about, you did Friday night markets for a while. So how do you, okay, so you're going to do something like that. You're going to do a Friday night market, or you're going to do, like, Taste of the Holidays, right, that's coming up. So you're serving, like, one or two things, right? But you want them to really, like, be your signature things that really showcase, like, who you are. So how do you decide what to do for those kind of things? Well, um, portioning is a huge thing because, you know, they're ta little tastes, so we'll put that into consideration. We want to do something that's a little different. Um, uh, I mean, I enjoy baking, but, like, the Taste of the Holidays does have a lot of, like, baked goods mm -hmm. and breads and things like that, which I love all of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you do kind of... And then it's a dinner hour, so like, right. people come hungry, and so... You know, we've been doing some salads and featuring our dressing, or we've been doing our Italian granita, which is like a shaved ice, Yeah. and we'll do little cups. And they're kind of like a little palate cleanser, too, um, as people are tasting. So we've done that every year. I, I had been doing our pistachio-glazed shortbread. They're Ooh. little holiday mm -hmm. wreaths. Um, so, so we'll try to do, like, one savory, one sweet, and then... The, the granita um, but I don't know we might switch it up this year we've been uh, talking about what we're going to do brainstorm oh I'm so excited I like that taste of the holidays but you're right I feel like last year when I went I had bread and cookies and pastries mm -hmm. and then I think you and Brett had like, like food right <laughs> right yeah and um, and people have mentioned they've appreciated the salads. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, just lighter, you know, that sort of thing. So. so the taste of the holidays, that's for the, that's rotary, right? Correct. That's to benefit the Rotarians. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. so great. I love I them. I know it. I know. Those sunrise ones, I don't know how they get up at oh. 7 o'clock in the morning every <laughs> Friday it. to, like, go then. That's amazing thing number one. It's yes. Like, yeah. I know. But they're, yeah, they give back so much. Mm -hmm. And um, what were you serving at Friday Night Market? Did it change, like, every time you did it, or? Well, there were a few things that were consistent. Sam uh, came up with the ch chopped cheese. Oh, yeah, New York chopped cheese. Yeah. Ooh, yum. Yep. What is that? Um, it's a ground beef patty chopped up with uh, onions, um, cheddar cheese, uh, like a Russian dressing on there. Oh, that sounds awesome. And uh, it's really big in New York and all the bodegas. So you could go in there anytime and get a New York chopped cheese. Mm -hmm. What a great idea. And that's a, I mean, I think that's something that probably at Friday Night Market would go over really well. Yeah, yeah. I think, yep. it, I think well, That it sounds did. delicious. I should have taken my own advice and eaten something before I came and had this. I knew... I knew I brought it on myself, but that sounds amazing. I know, and at the 11th hour, I was like, oh, I should bring Meredith something, and then I dropped the ball. That's totally fine. That's okay. Um, what other what other events have you have you done? Like, um, Oh, gosh, let's see. Um, well, you know, we've linked in over the years with some of the film jobs that oh, have nice. come in the area, so that's... You did um, that Oscar, was it last year? Oh, no, yeah. time goes really yeah, weirdly in my life, but you did that Oscar party, and mm -hmm. um, that was great. I remember those sandwiches you made, those were oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, I think that worked out really well. We were still kind of uh, trying to be COVID friendly right, or, right. or COVID conscious. Yeah, little individual, like charcuterie cups, right? Exactly, yeah. we did that, and uh, we rolled out um, the roast beef melts, and... Uh, like a vegetarian melt. Yeah, the um, portobello, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. delicious. Yeah, the mushroom melt, that's yeah. what it was, yeah. And those were individual boxes, so yeah. all the guests, you know, and we put a couple side dishes with them. Yeah, so. that was really smart, the way you did that. That was a fun mm -hmm. event. Yeah, that 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 was uh, Cassandra, the film commissioner. I know, she's idea. my bestie. I, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and we've also worked on worked on some uh, films as well. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. you did a uh, mm -hmm. Swiss Army Man, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. what was the one up north? Uh, um, oh goodness, my mind is gonna escape me. Um, well, we 
part of the time we did Woodshock, which was right about the same time. Okay. That was with Kirsten Dunst. Um, uh, right about the same time as Swiss Army Man, but the one up north. Um, oh, gosh. There are a lot yeah. of them. <clears throat> a couple of them, have, like, um, now I'm like, ah, the, the one, um, Wrinkle and Dime, that one. Oh, yeah. No, we, we were not. <laughs> I, I think what happened there was they might have brought and that will happen often. They'll bring, bring their, their own, own, yeah, food production people and food people. Yeah, yeah. But that that was pretty exciting to know they were here doing that. So when you cater for movies, um, is it like craft services? I mean, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. do you just set up and people come whatever, or they like bring for lunch and you? Sometimes we'll just do the craft service mm-hmm. because that is like a twelve to fourteen hour day. You need to be the first one there, which oftentimes is like six in the morning could be in the national parks or, or, you know. Right. So, you know, we'll start early, we'll end late because then when we get back, we're prepping for the next day. Right. So those are very long days. Um, there was been a few times where we've done the craft service and lunch, and so we'll bring on more people because that craft table has to be monitored. Right. Especially if there's a location change, you have to load everything up. Wow. Move. Yeah, mm-hmm. those locations must be tricky, right? So you have to, that, mm-hmm. I'm sure that comes into the equation when you're deciding what to make because yeah. it's not like you can, I mean, do you like cook up there? Do you lug things to cook? Yeah, mostly with? we'll come back to the kitchen and do our preparations mm-hmm. here. There's sometimes where we might have done something on site, like if we had electricity or um, where we could plug in a burner mm-hmm. or something like that, or we'll keep some soup going um, at the craft table. Um, yeah, because they're out on location, they can't necessarily leave mm-hmm. for their food, and so you have to. There's a lot to think about, coffee and yeah, things like that. So, are they are the movie stars generally nice to you? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, m- most of the time, we're not interacting with okay. them. Okay. Although we might see them, um, but like, uh, oh goodness with the Swiss Army man, like, they were all super sweet. They'd come up to the um, the craft table and chat with us, and so we would get to know them a little bit. Why have I not heard of that movie? Is it recent? Swiss Army man? That was, gosh, I want to say about seven, eight years ago now. Oh, Cassandra's going to be so mad at me. I'm going to have to Google (laughs) it when I... (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to... Harry Potter, my goodness. Radcliffe? Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe, really? Yeah, Chris Robinson. Oh, I love him. I um, Aubrey him. Plaza. Oh my God. Well, oh that my was God. Beverly oh. Did you do oh, that? Okay. Uh, I, there was a couple of us working right. on that. I love Aubrey Plaza. Oh my She's... gosh. <laughs> and that was all at the Eureka Theater and a couple of other various locations. And and we were on board for. They shared. Yeah. You know the the the, the work amongst different caterers, but yeah the. Uh, Paul Dano was oh, with wow. me, Daniel Radcliffe, um, and it was fun for that one. We got to, to go uh, enjoy a little bit of an after party out in Blue Lake at the uh, bowling alley at the time. How fun. So, you know, that was a good time. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have won some pretty prestigious awards, too, for your catering, yeah? Well, we did win the Film Friendly Award. Um, oh, that I was that. that. was really nice. Um to be recognized in that way, and um, gosh, now I'm trying to remember. Oh, I have them right here. You have for two years in the North Coast Journal, um, Best of Humboldt. Of course, yeah. Which is amazing. Um, Reader's Choice Award for the Times Standards. That's right, that's right. And, I mean, you have catered for, like, a lot of the mixers that I've gone to, and Mm -hmm. it's always, like... When I know you're catering, I know, like you and Brett too, I know are going to be like top of the line quality food. You made you. at the last um, mixer that you catered, you made this like savory cheesecake situation. Oh, yeah. What was that? That essentially is just a cheesecake recipe, mm-hmm. but instead of like sugar and vanilla, and mm-hmm. we'll do like garlic and dill and, um, um, you know, herbs, and uh, then you just bake it like a cheesecake. You and and then I topped it with smoked salmon, oh lemon, and capers, but you can you can actually add that to the actual cheesecake mix. But yeah, but yeah. and there's so many different creative recipes yeah. for those. So it was so beautiful to look at. I Thank you. sadly don't eat at mixers because I'm too like nervous. But oh, um, yeah. 
But um, but the, I always admire and take pictures of the, the food for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So Sam, what do you see like the future looking like for you, like, catering wise? Hopefully, we'll uh, can expand a little bit on the catering and yeah. maybe um, find a storefront or something sometime soon and build off a little bit more. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun to serve the public. Like, uh, we're not. 100% sure what that might look like, but also continue the catering. Nice. So combine the two business models and build on that. I love that. What do you think that would look like? Do it like a specific, like, theme, like food theme, like, like Italian or just like kind of some of the things that you do or. I th- go ahead. Go, go, go. We're, uh, yeah, we, we were throwing around a couple ideas. We're thinking maybe um, could be like a little cafe and do catering out the back or oh, maybe wow. like a deli-style kind of place and still do our own food as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really draw on the, our roots. Yeah. You know, where we're from and bring some Oh, I think that would be amazing. Please stay in Arcata, though. <laughs> I know. No, but you I don't know. even live in Arcata. That's okay. I mean, we, we did live here for 14 years, and I'm yeah. here every day. Yeah, yeah, right. And I do love it, so um, that would be amazing. Please stand our It would be good to have uh, a lot of the college crowd around and things sure. like that as well. So Sure. Yeah, feel a need there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think, I think that kind of thing is, like, necessary. I mean, I think we have a lot of, like, kind of expensive restaurants that are mm-hmm. amazing in quality, like, don't get me wrong, but a, a little, sure. like, and th- I don't think there's any of, I mean, there there is, I'm sorry, but there's, like, not a lot of those, like, mid-range options mm-hmm. that are delis and, and things like that. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're excited to brainstorm those ideas. I'm super excited for you, too. That's amazing. Thank you. So... We've chatted for about an hour. I'm so excited. Oh, I didn't read my underwriting thing. So oh, please do. <laughs> I'm going to, you guys think of some, like, last words to leave us with. And okay. I'm going to thank our underwriters, okay. um, which is Wildberries. So support for this show comes from Wildberries Marketplace. Wildberries is proud to offer a broad choice of quality products, superior service, and exceptional ambiance while supporting many organizations in our community, just like Humboldt Hot Air. Head over to the home of the Wild Platter Cafe and the Wild Nectar Juice Bar for all of your shopping needs. And don't forget, they have delivery and curbside every day. Wild Berries Marketplace, your supermarket of choice, top of the hill, G Street, and Arcata. Nice. So leave us with some, some appetizing words. First thing that comes to my mind is take this opportunity to really thank the greater community because the relationships we've built over the years and people sharing what we do and referring us and, you know, um, catering, pushing us out into the community. And um, we're just just so thankful that, you know, they remembered us, especially, you know, as work started to come back on. So I just want to thank everybody for supporting us. I love that, Sam. Yeah, we love um, we love serving the community. It's really what we enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and uh, we hope we can continue doing it and uh, expand from here. So, yeah. thank well, you. We hope so too. So, we'll see you at Taste of the Holidays, which is November sixteenth. Correct. Yes. Yeah, we and um, hopefully coming to a mixer near you. We'll see you soon too, and. Um, at many events. And thank you, Sam, and thank you, Christine. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. I am Meredith Matthews, and you have been listening to Chamber Chats with the Arcata Chamber of Commerce. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Thank you.